0: Chapter 27 of Zafloia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anthony Gergis. Zafloia by Charlotte Dackery Chapter 27. Reaching her own apartment, the miserable because guilty Victoria threw herself upon her bed, in torture too great to be described. The most infuriate passions forcibly restrained as they had been in the presence of Enriquez now agitated her breast, and now found vent in terrible imprecations. She cursed herself, the hour that gave her being, and the mother that had borne her, Outraged pride swelled her heart to bursting, and its insatiable fury called aloud for vengeance, for blood, and the blood of the innocent Lilla. Oh, let me at once destroy the minion, she wildly exclaimed, starting from the bed and snatching from her bosom a dagger, which she usually carried there. Let me at once, I say, destroy the puny wretch, WHO DARES TO CALL DESTRUCTION ON HER HEAD BY THUS BECOMING OF CONSEQUENCE. Not yet, Victoria, said a melodious voice, and before her stood the moor, who gently seized her uplifted arm and smiled. How came you hither, Zafloia?" she cried. Your voice nor your smile nor your promises have power to calm me now. Beautiful Victoria, he answered. I come to counsel and to soothe. Thou canst do neither more, for Enriquez hates me. Canst thou change the genuine sentiment of the heart? Canst thou of hatred make love? I can do much, Victoria, if you will confide in me. But thou art not a sorcerer. It is possible to have a knowledge of physic, and not yet be a physician. Oh yes, thou hast infinite knowledge, Zafloia every day proves it beyond doubt but thou canst not no thou canst not charm love for me into the heart that loves another not readily while that other intervenes fair victoria canst thou assist me say at once canst thou assist me zafloia lovely victoria the silver tones of the moor penetrated to the very heart of victoria his wily accent was piteously tender tears spontaneous tears rushed into her eyes and voluntarily she threw herself unto his arms which opened to receive her and went upon his bosom Zofloya gently pressed her in his arms the delusion of victoria continued but a few moments she hastily disengaged herself from his embrace and hesitantly she said tis strange Zofloya." i know not why but thou soothest me ever and attractest me irresistibly i do indeed believe she added with an earnest smile that thou art truly a sorcerer the moor smiled also and bent in acknowledgment his graceful form fascination dwelt in every movement of this singular being and in nothing was it more evidenced than in the power he held over the proud heart of victoria incomparable and lovely mistress he cried falling upon one knee and laying his hand upon his heart deign to inform the most lowly of your slaves that you would require of him and having said trust to him for the performance rise then zofloia cried victoria flattered and delighted by a condescension of late somewhat unusual with the moor rise and tell me Ah, canst thou not define, Zofloya, Lilla, Lilla, the orphan Lilla stands between you and your love. Is it not so? Yes, yes, and you would have her die? cried Victoria, relapsing into frenzy. Calm, calm, in gentle accents said the Moor. The orphan Lilla must not die, Signora. No, no. For it would excite instant suspicion, and then farewell to all your hopes. You forget, fair Victoria, that already. True, true, hastily returned Victoria. But what then? It must not be. Oh, madness! It shall! It must! Without your aid, then! Zofloya looked stern. Be to it, then, Signora, he cried, and moved with dignity towards the door. "'Oh, stay, inconsistent being!' cried Victoria. "'And forgive my despair. "'Despair! "'Despair! "'When I have bid you hope, you must confide. "'Oh, be at once explicit and tell me.' "'Well, then, Lilla must not die, "'but she shall be at your disposal, "'and you may inflict on her such misery that—' "'Such torments!' interrupted Victoria, "'with demonic sparkling eyes.' Yes, such torments as shall pay for those she has inflicted upon me. But when, oh, when, Zefloya may this be? At tomorrow's dawn, be in the forest, Proceed through the narrow break on your left. Ascend the steep rock which overlooks the wood, Making it appear an inconsiderable dell. And when you have gained the summit, Remain and wait my coming. I will be punctual, but Lilla, she will be with me inquire no further victoria joy and abominable triumph filled the breast of victoria well was she now versed and well could decipher the ambiguous answers of the moor zofloia she cried in a voice of exultation. excellent zofloia say how can i repay you and eagerly taking a brilliant of immense value from her finger she added accept this and wear it for my sake but wear it concealed in your bosom with a proud and dignified air, Zofloya put back with his hand the offered gift. Keep your diamonds, Signora. The riches of the world are valueless to me. My aim is higher. And what is it you aim at, then, Zofloya? Your friendship. Your trust. Your confidence. Yourself, Signora. Victoria smiled at what she thought the gallantry of the Moor. The Moor smiled likewise, but with a different air and bowing respectfully to victoria as he advanced towards the door he said farewell senora for the present watch for the first streak of the morning sleep shall not visit my eyes i will gaze upon the firmament and at the last fading of the stars will leave my chamber the moor waved gracefully his hand and retired No sooner was he gone than Victoria extinguished the lamp that no artificial light might render unobserved the first approach of dawn. Then, opening the window, she seated herself beside it and gazed with unblushing front upon the serene majesty of the cloudless heavens. Patiently did she endure the loss of sleep, patiently attend like the bloodthirsty murderer who rendered invulnerable to external ills, by the strong-nerved fierceness of his mind lurks ambushed through the lonely night for the unconscious footstep of his destined victim so did she wake so watch anticipating alternately the gratification of her revenge and scenes of future bliss with the beloved enrique compelled at length with the bitter reluctance to view the blooming Lilla, as the powerful shield presumptuously opposed to her fascinations she determined with pride and hatred, nerved and knew her heart, to inflict upon the innocent girl all the malice or that vengeance could invent. Meanwhile, Enriquez, after being left to the solitude of his reflections, reviewed the conduct of Victoria. He began to feel he had ultimately treated her with too great lenity and forbearance. Disgust rose in his soul against her he compared to her shameless and dishonorable confession the blushing sweetness and retiring modesty of the young orphan lilla ardently he longed for the hour in which with propriety he could withdraw her from the tainted roof under which still rich in native purity she continued to breathe joy and complacent delight diffused itself through his bosom and when he reflected that a few days only need now elapse ere the pious scalps of his innocent love would be at an end, he might then call her legally and forever his. The probationary year was nearly expired. He resolved in the moment of its completion to claim her for his bride, and depart not only from the spot which he had lost an only an idolized brother, but from his native land forever, the very atmosphere of which had now become obnoxious to him now his mind wandered into anticipated scenes of happiness he beheld himself the father of a blooming progeny the delighted husband of a beauteous wife and regret passed through his mind when he reflected that his lost berenza would never make one among the blissful group enjoying a felicity he would have delighted to contemplate ah miserable enriquez little didst thou dream that these thy fairy visions of love and happiness were never never to be realized but to end on the contrary in reduplicated horror and despair. Victoria remained sitting at the window immensely in gloomy meditation till the opening horizon began to show faint streaks of light between clouds of darker hue and the blue midst of the distant waters slowly to dissipate the stars became fainter, and a fresher breeze was wafted from the east, when intent on evil, she stole with cautious footsteps from her chamber. Now with beating heart she gained the court and passed into the forest, hastening onwards to the path described by Zafloia. The deep gloom rendered almost impervious the lonely way and the break on the left, to which she had alluded. She ascertained it, however, and as she proceeded, a deeper gloom informed her that she approached the frowning rock which cast its dark shadow around. Though never before had she wandered in the light of day so far, she trusted implicitly to the directions of Zofloya, and prepared to ascend the rocky acclivity. Morning gradually advanced, but surrounding objects were still rendered indistinct by a delusive mist. She proceeded a considerable way up the rock, when the loud solemn roar of the foaming cataract dashing from a fissure on the opposite side of the precipice beneath broke upon her ear she fearlessly advanced however till she gained the summit while louder and more stunning became the angry sound of the waters here for a while she decided to remain the dim light even yet afforded no correct view over the lengthened rocks mountains of mist appeared rising above each other till the last ridge dimly stretched its gigantic outline upon the distant horizon showing no world beyond the stars had all retired as though shrinking abashed from the view of so much guilt but and crowds obscured the face of heaven the wind sighed hollow among the trees of the forest and though the lonely sombre grandeur of the scene Would have inspired in the breast of virtue Deep awe and devotion, Directing the soul to inward contemplation, Yet was it sad and unwelcome to the evil mind, Which, bearing within itself an eternal light, Feels troubled and appalled in the gloom of nature. Such was the state of Victoria, Restless and impatient for the increasing light. Increasing light came on, she arose from the spot where she had seated herself and gazed around. On one side, the yet shade enveloped forest, seeming, as Zofloya had said, an inconsiderable dell, appeared far beneath her feet, while on the other, a dark blue line of mist gave distant warning of the sky grid ocean, and that oblique ascent seemed blending with the heavens. The rock on which she stood, being an elevated point, had caught the first light of the morning, and to herself she was fully revealed. Objects below were still partially engloomed, and eagerly she strained her anxious eyes to catch the first glimpse of what alone could interest her attention. Every moment which elapsed appeared to her sanguinary soul like so much time. Time robbed her of her revenge, but at length to her infinite joy. The sight so ardently desired greeted her view. Hanging lifeless over his shoulder, Encircled by his nervous arms, He bore the once-blooming lilla, Blooming now no longer, But paler than a white-rose taint. Swiftly he approached, and careless of his birth and bounded like lightning up the rugged rock. Victoria contemplated with joyous exultation The helpless and devoted orphan, her fragile form lay nerveless, her snow-white arms bare nearly to the shoulder, for a thin nightdress alone covered her, hung down over the back of the moor. Her feet and legs resembling sculptured alabaster were likewise bare, her languid head drooped insensible with the long flaxen tresses, escaping from the net which had enveloped them, now partly shaded her ashy cheek, and now streamed in disheveled luxuriance on the breeze shall we hurl her down the precipice cried victoria while her fierce and jealous eyes wandered over the betrayed graces of her spotless victim no said Zofloya. follow me he darted down a rugged path and on the opposite side of the rock and though not with equal swiftness victoria pursued his steps now he hovered on the edge of a precipice now ascended a mountainous steep at length in a narrow valley or rather rocky division between two mountains of gigantic height. He paused for a moment, an irregular winding path forming a steep declivity seemed leading almost to a bottomless abyss. Zofloia, looking at Victoria, observed that she was nearly exhausted with violent exertion to keep him in view. "'Have courage!' he cried, but a few steps further." Victoria endeavored to smile and followed him with new alacrity, for the base passions of her soul stung her with desperate firmness. Suddenly Zafloia stopped. He laid his still inanimate burden upon the rugged path, and with apparent ease, though it seemed to require superhuman strength, removed what had appeared a projecting point of rock, but which Victoria now perceived to be only a huge and independent fragment of it. A deep, narrow opening presented itself beneath the moor. Raising Lilla again in his arms, entered the aperture, with an inclination of the body. Victoria still followed, and soon beheld herself in a spacious cavern, gloomily enlightened alone by the opening at which they had entered. Here, Victoria, cried the moor, your rival may be at least secured from the possibility of further molesting you. Now, if the heart of Enriquez be invincible, there is nothing to impede your happiness. But, answered Victoria with a gloomy air, while Lilla lives, there is not a remote possibility that she might escape hence? Behold, then, said the moor, what shall ever remove that vain fear? Lifting from the flood of the cavern, as he spoke, a massy chain, which, though fixed to the opposite side of the wall extended in length to the sloping irregular ascent leading to the mouth of the aperture with this ring at the extremity he pursued while the girl is still insensible i will fasten it around her wrist will you then victoria be satisfied i will endeavour hesitatingly replied victoria still desiring nothing less than the death of one whose beauty was blasting to her sight it shall be done then said zafloia though wholly unnecessary, for when she returns to the power of thought, how will she be enabled to divine the true situation of the spot in which she will find herself? She will even be ignorant of the means by which she came hither, as when she awakened, she found me bearing her from her bed, for deep in sleep as she was and smiling at her dreams of love no doubt, I seized her in my arms to fulfill my promise to you. Then, Vainly struggling within my grasp, she fainted, and has since remained insensible. How then, unassisted, incredulous, fearful Victoria, could she trace out a path which she had not even power to observe? Further precautions than leaving her here are, be assured, unnecessary. Still, I would wish the chain, muttered Victoria. If unnecessary as a precaution, it may have its advantage as a punishment." "'Come, hasten, good Zofloia,' she continued, "'putting in his hand the fair and lifeless hand of Lilla. "'Let us depart from hence, before our absence is discovered.' Zofloya, smiling with a scornful arches, "'retained the hand of Lilla in one hand, "'and holding the chain in the other while he looked upon it, "'said to her in a jeering accent, "'Think you, Victoria, that il consigilo de deisi hath ever confined any of his victims in a spot so remote as this cavern? This ring, this massy chain, seem almost an evidence that, at that terrible name, the color of Victoria forsook her cheek. Cruel and ill-timed remark, she cried, interrupting the moor in his malicious insinuation. Why, at this moment, allude to subjects irrelevant? I pray you fasten the chain and let us go." Still, with the smile upon his countenance, he prepared to obey the desire of the terror-struck Victoria. In a moment the galling chain was clasped around the delicate wrist of Lilla, and Victoria, hastening toward the aperture, exclaimed, Let us now leave this place. Come, Zafloia, and proceed me hence. Suffering the devoted orphan to remain stretched upon the flinty ground, both now prepared to quit the cavern, Already they had gained the ascent when at that moment the miserable Lilla opened her eyes. Without being fully restored to sense, she perceived with dismay her situation. She essayed to speak, but could not, and starting up, cast herself despairingly upon her knees, raising her innocent hands in agonized supplication. The motion and noise of the chain caused Victoria to turn her head. She beheld the kneeling defenceless orphan, but saw only her rival. and pausing while a smile of exulting malice passed over her features. She waved her hand in derision, and instantly hastened on, as she gained the mouth of the aperture and retreated from the sight of the wretched girl, who with horror had recognized Victoria. A shrill and piercing scream assailed her ears, but failed to excite in her breast one emotion of pity, for the state in which she had abandoned her. Senora observed Zefloya, as again they had took the path across the mountains it is my intention to return hither in the course of the day with provisions for our prisoner and a mantle of leopard skin which i possessed to serve her at once for bedding and covering i likewise intend methinks you are tender of the upstart angrily interrupted victoria it is not my intention coolly returned the moor that the death of your rival should be caused by famine She shall have food, therefore, for in the spot where she is doomed to breathe the residue for her days, her dissolution will be accelerated in sufficient time. Why, there is certainly a pleasure, with a fierce malignant smile, observed Victoria, in the infliction of prolonged torment. I therefore approve of your engagement. You will sometimes visit the girl, Signora, will you not? It will be an exquisite delight that I shall occasionally confer on myself, she replied but if enriquez prove unkind she shall have no reason to thank me for my visit a just and excellent combination senora satirically remarked the moor if enriquez prove unkind she deservedly suffer whose memory is the causes. indeed i admire that inflexible spirit you possess senora that unyielding soul whose thirsty vengeance is never satiated victoria turned her looks upon the moor to read if he spoke earnestly, and she rejoiced to behold in the lambent fire of his ardent eyes relentless cruelty and mischievous delight, as he had uttered the last words. The morning was now far advanced, but no beams of the cheering sun irradiated the heavens. Light hovering clouds overspread with gloom the deep recesses of the forest, upon which they almost appeared to descend. All was awful stillness. Not even the carol of a bird broke the solemn silence, as though the eye of the morning paused in grief upon the crimes that had ushered in its dawn. The moor spoke not, and Victoria, absorbed in calculations of the conduct most eligible to be pursued for the attainment of her wishes, sought not to draw him into converse. In this manner they proceeded till they gained the open forest. When Zofloya observed, It would be expedient to separate before they came in view of the castle. Victoria acquiesced in the propriety of the idea. She hastened towards the castle and struck into an opposite direction. End of chapter twenty seven.